Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Industrial Marketer Podcast, your place for the tips, tech, trends, and tactics for industrials who care about driving leads to their companies. I am one of your hosts, one of your Sherpas on this marketing adventure that we are all on together for industrial marketing. And I, uh, my name is Joey, Joey Strawn. And as always, I am joined by my counterpart, Nels, Nels, Nels on the shelf. Jensen, how are you, my man? Joey, I'm doing spectacular today. I I am so happy, uh, one, that we get to have this conversation. I always enjoy talking with you about industrial marketing, but um, I, I'm even more excited that we have this conversation today because as everybody who listens to the show knows, whether you're at the very top of the food chain making decisions for the whole company, or you're actually on the marketing floor making these like email decisions in the in the weeds, um, it, tying everything together with data is incredibly important. Um, and so we wanted to make sure that we dove into that. But the reason I'm excited is because we have our Duke of Data, Matt Hope, as a special guest for an in-depth interview in the second half of this episode. So I, I, I'm so thrilled that he gets to be here as we talk about metrics for manufacturers and how uh, we need to level that down into our marketing activities. Um, yeah, man. You know, you, we, we think the world of Matt, we are the Sherpas today, as you say, and we are going to take you to the rarefied air of the analytics and how to turn them into actionable <laughs> insights. No, really. I mean, we're data nerds yeah. and Matt takes this stuff and explains it in ways that, you know, he, it, it's rare fried air. That's what I got. Yeah. We're the Sherpas. Glad you said yeah. that. <laughs> so uh, we'll start hauling the stuff up the mountain to get you ready so we can get to the uh, peak with Matt. I, I I agree. You know, we we've talked, we've spent a lot of time this quarter talking about manufacturers and how they can really focus on getting their messages out there and understand their goals and understand, you know, what they want to accomplish. But more importantly, what the industrial sectors and how they're unique for manufacturers. Well, one thing we haven't touched on in depth yet is how to pull everything together. We've always said it's important. We've always mentioned goals. Um, Nels, I even think you you led a conversation in one of our episodes about you know organizational goals and then making sure that we can translate those you know into into marketing speak. But that's that's kind of what I want to make sure that we're doing today. So let's set the stage for Matt by basically saying when we're talking about metrics when we're talking about goals for manufacturers, we know that there are going to be huge overarching company objectives, company goals that you are trying to hit. So it may be, we need to increase, you know, get 30% more business in our hydraulic sector, or we need to, you know, the company goal may be to acquire five new brands in the next 24 months. You know, those are very large company objectives. What we're living in the marketing world, we need to then be able to translate those down. So for for me and Nelson, for our teams, when we're talking, you know, we've got the KPIs or these key performance indicators, activities that let us know that we're moving towards the overall goals that we need to match. Um, you know, Nelson, you said before we were the show, we were chatting, and you were saying this is really important to you to make this differentiation between like the corporate goal of we need to increase, you know, revenue by 20%, then the marketing 
funnel down of being able to say, okay, well, that means this and this and this. Oh, sure. Right. Yeah. Obviously sales and marketing are going to be the, you know, key components in revenue growth, but that's not it. Every department at your company should be aligning toward the, mm-hmm. the big overarching goals. So let's pick uh, an example you use that, you know, where the company is trying to drive hydraulic, you know, division revenue up uh, 30%. Right. Right. So these key performance indicators for marketing might have nothing to do with actually introducing uh, a product or, you know, mm-hmm. extending your interview inter your inventory, excuse me, extending your inventory right. for those products so that you have, you know, maybe their higher margin, whatever the reason for that business goal is, your marketing KPIs, you know, are basically going to, what we like to say at, at our place is ladder up to that goal. Right. And it's, it's really, there's, there's a, there's a pretty basic way to establish um, your KPI ladder by just sort of asking, okay, and if we do that, then what? You know, so you're working backward from the goal of revenue, right? So our goal for in marketing is probably going to be something about qualified leads, right? I would imagine, yeah. So like right. for let's, in, let's, in our world, a lot of times it's going to be some form of conversion on their website uh, that is them raising their hand in some form or fashion. Yeah, assuming that, you know, sales is going to have a goal to close 20% of these qualified leads into mm-hmm. a deal. And 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 our goal might be that, okay, we are going to generate 10 qualified leads per month, whatever. Right. So, okay, how are we going to do that? Well, what could we do? And if you really think about just drilling down, so, okay, you know, what can we do for on our website, what can we do mm-hmm. with our outbound? You know, what can we do, you know, um, for specific tactics within inbound or outbound? Right. right. So well, I think that's really important because you, you, what you're saying is that the ladder up method, what you're saying, like, well, then what? So, okay, well, we need uh, a lot of revenue this year. Okay. Well, then what? Where do you need revenue? So what? Okay. Well, we need it in our hydraulics division. It's like, okay, well, what sorts of activities that people take within our marketing universe indicate to us that they're interested in doing business with you in your hydraulics division? It's like, well, do, if they like you on Facebook, does that mean they're interested in your hydraulic services? It's like, well, no. It's like, okay, well, that's not going to be a KPI. If they submit an RFQ or a request for a quote on your hydraulics page on your site, would you say that indicates to you that they're interested? It's like, well, yes, there we go. There's a KPI and that's how you define it. Like, because it ladders up. Well, if this adds to this and then that leads to this, then that leads to our ultimate succeeding in this goal, you know, and it could be KPIs could be anything. It could, you know, I mentioned an RFQ form, but others that follow that we deal with a lot are calls. We hear a lot of customers. I mean, Nels, how many times have you heard a customer say, oh, man, if we can get them on the phone, we got. It. Right. So it the, the, the laddering up. So if we want qualified leads, we're probably going to have to collect some kind of information to collect mm-hmm. some information. We'll probably need some kind of lead magnet. Once you've built some kind of lead magnet, you need a distribution strategy, you know, um, and that's where the the sort of then what, then what works because if you really think about 
marketing metrics, mm-hmm. you want to be able to adjust the dial of the inputs at the front end to see what changes throughout toward the back end, right? So if exactly. it's we we know we we create a um, a series of lead lead magnets for the hydraulics division, right? We've got a white paper, we've got a couple blog posts, we have a case study, we we design some marketing content around hydraulics. So yep. at some point, our distribution strategy might be social media, it might be trade publications, it might be a newsletter internal. So, you know, you can measure those, right? right In some course. cases, you need your, you, you know, your UTMs, your unique tracking methods. But right, we're going to get into got, that with Matt. But of course, yeah, yeah, so at some point, you've got two months worth of data. And it's like, you know what, we, uh, we haven't really generated many leads through uh, social media. So, okay, how can you adjust the social media dial mm-hmm. or do you want to adjust the social media dial? Do you want to perhaps put emphasis more on something else where, Hey, you know what? Uh, our, our PPC, the, the paid media portion of this lead magnet actually is doing a little better. Can we do some AB testing with that to see if we right. can drive more leads through that channel? You know, so that the whole, I always think of KPIs as, you know, you've, you've got, on the, the, the left-hand side of a spectrum, you have five, six, 10 tactics. And, mm-hmm. you know, you can turn the dials up. It's like it's like a volume almost. Turn the volume right. up for a while on this and see Your sound mixer on the here. board. You're making but how do you, Drake's new album. Right. So how do you know what um, to adjust? You know, it all, it all will come down to the data, right? Right. So if you and- understand this channel is generating this leads, but that channel, those leads only convert at a lower percentage, then maybe you want to be focusing on your higher conversion leads. And maybe there's fewer of them, but they're so pure or whatever that you, that you really want to emphasize that area. I mean, the beauty of data is it, if you can sort it correctly, if you can organize it, and if you can analyze it, you know, you tell a story with that data and, and Matt will be all over, all over that, but it's, how do you change the inputs? Yeah. And you know, so what, well, did it, what did it result in? So that's where all these measurements work together to create a story. I love it. I mean, there's that old adage um, in the marketing world of, well, I waste 50% of my marketing, but I'm not sure which 50%. Like we're getting really close in a world where the we can know exactly what's being wasted and we can know where it's being wasted and we can adapt and change and fix things. I mean, one of the things that we'll dive into with Matt as well is a lot of, you know, a lot of people are listening and saying, well, that's great. Yeah, I understand all that. But like what tool, like how, how do I do all this? Like where, where do I get this data? And that comes in, like you mentioned with UTM codes and actually tracking the thing, the activities that you're doing leading to those conversion points and KPIs. But, you know, Google Analytics is a free system that any website 
that any person in any company and anyone that has a website can get Google Analytics for free. You can put it on your site and you can start getting information. If you're using any sort of marketing automation platform like a uh, like a Pardot or a HubSpot or a Marketo, they all have ad, uh, reporting baked in and you can have those reports automated to you so the data can come to your email on a regular basis. Anything, any social tool is going to have, like if you use a Sprout Social or a Hootsuite or a whatever, reporting is going to be baked in. Then there are more in-depth tools. I mean, Matt knows tools like Supermetrics uh, and, and things that have even weirder names. You know, I think it was, um, you know, some that integrate directly between to your website and your CRM, like your customer management, like Salesforce, and then all your tools. I think, um, I think, you know, to pull out quotes, I think it was Abraham Lincoln who said, I won't use any CRM unless it directly integrates with my data platforms. <laughs> yeah. And um, so, so the CRM integration with data is part of the picture, but it's not the entire picture. You brought up a really great point earlier about a phone call, right? Mm -hmm. You know, if your salesperson is having success with certain you know, maybe, hey, once they get the purchasing manager on the phone that they can close more hydraulics than dealing with the engineers right. or whatever. So, but if you don't put that in Salesforce, you don't capture that piece of data that the phone conversation with the purchasing. And again, this isn't a big deal, but it's all about, you know, processes lead up to data. And if you don't have the data in your system, you can't analyze the data. So not it's for not all right. It's not all marketing automation. It it is, but it isn't. It it still relies on people following the processes. Well, and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'll follow up with Matt about this in our in our next segment. But we've gotten to the point with a lot of these tools where if you set up call tracking correctly, not only can you get the information that we just talked about, Nels, but I could tell you what ad they came from from Google that registered that phone number being triggered on the site and I can tell you which ad group that that we use so we can know which spend in Google made people click to our website that had that particular number show up based on whatever campaign we're running or whatever effort. So I can tell you even on calls that's like, oh, well, that call came from a thing we put on Facebook because that triggered a different page or a different phone number to show up on the website. Uh, so it, it wow. like we can connect all of these systems. And Matt has done this. We've been able to track contacts like who came in from a phone call, then got entered into the site and then got lost and then picked up in um, an ATS or an applicant tracking system later that was then matched and they're followed through. So the ideas of if you put all this plumbing together, then some weird magic can happen uh, is extremely, extremely where we're going next in this next segment with Matt. Cause I just kind of want to talk with him about things that he's seen and important things things and elements that manufacturers need to be thinking about and what can happen. If you do all this stuff correctly, what does that reality then look like? And what questions can you begin to answer to help make better business decisions? And I wow, think that's, that's the ultimate goal. So that's even more granular than I thought. I'm, you know, I, it's, in, I'm telling you Nels, it's insane. The things you can do. 
Um, and so I think without further ado, we should take a break. We should hike on down to the shop floor and we should let Matt really show us how this can go to the next level and why this, these types of metrics are so very important for manufacturers. What do you say, Nels? Ready? Let's do it. All right. Let's head down to the shop floor. Whew, Nels, we made it all the way down to the shop floor. I am exhausted, but it's it's so good um, because I don't have to talk very much more. We have our our special guest for today. I've already introduced him, and as we all know, the Duke of Data, Matt Hope, back on the podcast to talk metrics and reporting stuff with us. Matt, welcome back to the show. What's up, guys? Great to be back. How you doing? Hey. Oh, I, uh, I, I'm so excited. Um, Nels was like, we need to talk about like pulling all the, the wires together and making like stories that matter. And so reporting, um, and, and we wanted you back on the show and I asked you and you said yes. And that made me very happy. So, so thank you for, for coming yeah. and talk numbers with us. Great to be back. Yeah. love it. Always, always a pleasure to join. <laughs> well, um, Nels, I'll uh, I'll kind of toss the ball to you a little bit because we'll start with something very specific. Is right before we came down here, I was blowing your mind a little bit with the things you can do with data uh, that you didn't even know was possible yeah. with data. Yeah, uh, we were talking about phone calls, and I'm just cutting you off, just rudely cutting you off. And I assumed, okay, so the the sales folks need to get in. Salesforce and the CRM and update the results of their phone calls. And you're letting me know that, uh, not necessarily some of that's automated too. So Matt, uh, help educate me and the rest of us a little bit on some of the, uh, dynamics around reporting for some of the things that we might not be aware of. Yeah. Phone calls are actually a really, uh, you know, huge piece of any, uh, sales pipeline, any interaction you have with your customers. And, a lot of people think that, you know, you have a, a phone number as a business. And so you put the phone number on your website. And whenever someone calls you from that, you're just kind of always like, okay, well, someone called, I assume they saw the number on my website. And therefore, that's how they found me. But really, that person arrived at, at your from, uh, on your website from a specific place. Maybe you post on Facebook uh, every week, and you're posting about your company and people click on those and land on your website. Maybe you advertise through Google and you have people that are searching for your solutions. They click on one of your ads, then they're on your website. There's a lot of great tracking platforms that when someone calls that phone number on your website, it will actually tell you that the person actually came from Facebook, saw the number on your website, and then called in and that's how they got connected to you. And so keeping track of all those metrics is really important because especially in manufacturing sales cycles, it might take you a long time between that first phone call that happened and the sale might actually come six, eight, 12 months down the road. It's always great to go back and connect the dots using a tool like a call tracking platform. We use call tracking metrics a lot. It's a great tool. There's many out there, but it will tell you, hey, this person called in six months ago and they actually came in from Facebook and that led to revenue. And so it's always good to make sure you're connecting those dots and not saying we got a bunch of phone calls. Now we have a bunch of revenue. It's actually connecting it and making sure you know where that revenue is coming from. And, and Matt, I'm glad that you brought that up because that was actually something we were talking about earlier in the episode is that, you know, once you have these goals that you're going after, once you've established that you're like, OK, we're trying to get revenue and we yeah. know that we can get revenue if we have people fill out the RFQs on our site and 
We are going to try and get people there through emails and through phone and through social and through, you know, our in-person trade events, you know, Mm -hmm. and we were talking of just like the, the importance of tying all that together to be able to sort of dial the knobs on what's working and what isn't. Um, Yeah. I happen to know behind the scenes because I work with you almost every day, Matt, but that this is you spend a lot of your time living in sort of those wires and crossing those connectors to get valuable insights. It's not so much just about saying, oh, great, we got a thousand new website clicks on, you know, XYZ manufacturing.com. Like, why is it so important to have a visibility into and have that all connected in one place, I guess? Yeah. So, and, and, uh, the reason is, 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 I'm, that's a great question is, is thinking about growth. I think it's easy to look in any one year and say, okay, we, you know, we, let's say your company sells a million dollars of products or services, but in that year, you know, we went to five trade shows and we, um, we did some advertising online and we've been posting on Facebook, right? Well, next year, your your maybe your revenue goal doubles, and now you got to sell two million dollars, right? So you're all on the line to say, okay, we have this really aggressive sales revenue target we want to hit. Well, it's hard to know what worked last year. Should we go to ten Sounds trade like shows next 10 year? Ten trade shows, a whole yeah. bunch more advertising. But you know, it's 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 really being smart about that because for all you know the trade shows generated 80% of the revenue, right? But if you don't know that breakdown, if you don't know that pie chart of trade shows versus Facebook advertising versus Google versus email, you don't necessarily, you might do that math wrong the next year and you won't get to 2 million if you're just saying, well, let's just do a repeat exactly what we did last year because that doesn't always work, right? You have to look back and say, what really worked well? What worked the best? And then we're going to start and rank those approaches and say, we're actually going to go to 12 trade shows this year instead of just, you know, just because the revenue target doubled, you might need to more than double the spend you had in the best places. And so if you don't know that breakdown, looking backwards, you won't, you'll hit these plateaus where you can't grow the way you're hoping to, because you're just always trying to do maybe what worked last year and you don't, you don't always know the answer. Yeah, I, I love that. Well, one thing, and and this is specific to the the industrial sectors, manufacturers in particular have very long sales cycles. Yeah. So the idea of, well, we got this great lead and Jerry's working this lead. Well, it is 16 months down the line. Does Jerry remember what yeah. the details of that lead? Is he still working at your company? If those lines aren't crossed, there's a lot of leak. And, and yeah. that's one thing, especially that an industrial sales funnel doesn't yep. need a lot of is that good clients, that one client that you needed to get in the black this year leaking yep. through because it just wasn't being followed up on. Correctly. Yes. And that is why it's so important to use a great tool like a CRM, use a software platform like HubSpot, like Salesforce, ActiveCampaign. There are many of them out there, but if you're just hoping to manage your pipeline and your leads using just Excel spreadsheets, if your sales team is just emailing them, when 16, 16 months go by and you finally have a sale and you're trying to look back and say, where did this lead come to us from? It'll be impossible to dig through all your emails and find it out and say, well, I think he came, you know, he or she came from here. 
a CRM platform like HubSpot always keeps that information for you. With a one click, you can go and say, this deal that we just sold today actually came to us 16 months ago from Facebook. And you have total clarity and a source of truth where people don't have to debate what is working and what's not. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, I mean, Nelson, I have some more that I want uh, Matt to dive well, I, into, but what, what do you got? I, you know, you, you mentioned turning the dials. I, I always use the analogies about, you know, your input dials, right? It's like the turning up the volume on some tactics and turning it down on others. So Matt, just uh, what kind of advice do you have about being patient versus being urgent? You know, we have five tactics that we're using, you know, to try and drive these uh, qualified leads you know, it's uh, sometimes you have incredibly small sample sizes. Sometimes yeah. yep. you have um, really elongated buying journeys that you've talked about. So tell us a little bit about how the decision met matrix for for adjusting those knobs on, on the tech. Yeah, value. yeah. I think uh, it, the longer your buying cycle gets, the more stages you need to add in between that are essentially benchmarks to say this conversation or this contact is progressing towards a sale like we expect. So you can't just have two binary points, which is a new contact created. And then 16 months later is a sale is closed. You have to build steps in between where you can say, Um, you know, were we able to set up a sales call with this contact? Okay. If we get that, that's a benchmark to say, okay, that person's interested after the sales call, were we able to schedule, you know, like a follow-up sit, you know, four months later and and you build in all these touch points along the way. And that gives you more visibility so that you don't have to just hope and get, and like wish that, okay, in 16 months, are we magically going to get a sale? You can build in some of those things. It also does require some patience. We see a lot with small sample sizes and long timeframes. Sometimes you look at the numbers and they're going up and down every month. And it's a little bit frustrating because one month is really great. The next month, all of a sudden it's not as great and it's frustrating. So to me, I like to, give things two to three months to look at a date that to me, three months, there is more of a trend, you know, one data point high, one data point low might not be a trend, but the third data point you get in that series might tell you, okay, now I actually see the shape of this line is moving up or down. So a little bit of patience, but also giving your building in more checkpoints along the way. So you're not just flying that's, blind. That's, that's really, aw- that's really awesome advice. And, and actually um, our business development person made a point the other day that, one of the one of the most effective techniques he has is the hey haven't really heard from you you know yeah uh, I, you know I'm gonna take you off the list and won't bug you anymore and move on and it's surprising how often the response is no no, yeah. no we're still we're still yeah. in the game yeah and that that's a valuable it, touch point right. there you know yeah. it's not revenue it's not a signed deal but that should be a touch point of hey this contact had reached 90 days where we hadn't heard anything and we sent a follow up. And the response was either very positive or, and you know, that's a touch point. That's a piece of data that you can use to say, okay, this is a healthy conversation that is advancing like we want to see that will turn into a sale or turn into revenue. Right. Well, and, and I mean, the tools that you mentioned earlier, like I know HubSpot has that Salesforce is built on that model of having those, yeah. uh, you know, deal stages outlined and monitored and understood. And it will, it'll give you, an impression 
and especially it doesn't even matter because manufacturers can you can run the gamut on size. You can be selling itty bitty millions and millions yeah. of itty bitty parts, or you can be a manufacturer where one good deal can set you up for five years. Yeah. And so knowing what those stages look like and knowing their turnaround times and the sales velocities. I mean, Matt, you and I have had conversations about clients who are saying, okay, well, you seem to be losing sales at this stage of your sales yeah. funnel. Yep. We don't know why, because we're not in your sales meetings, yep. but somewhere between here and here, all of your sales get lost. Yeah, that is a great point. Yeah. Cause then once you have those stages, you can, uh, you know, you, there's a reasonable assumption of, okay, like people are progressing along pretty good through these funnels and then they get to this point and everyone drops off. And that is a place where you can say, okay, instead of just running around like crazy trying to figure out, well, why aren't we closing sales? You can pinpoint an exact place and say, we need a better tool right here. Maybe people are getting to this point and now we're starting to talk finances and they're getting a little bit hesitant about the cost of what we're selling them, then you can have action and say, let's build in a calculator or a tool right here that will help them understand the ROI if they were to purchase this product. And then you can start to act on these these breaks in the funnel and say, let's put in something right here in our process and see if we can't get people to be a little bit, be like move past that stage going forward. Yeah. I I mean, and that's that's the whole thing is that, you know, this isn't so much a matter where, Large companies like Coca-Cola or maybe even like, you know, very, very public facing B2C companies, they can know whether or not a promotion is working because yeah. the sales are immediately going up or down. But And they have you know, huge volume. You know, they have a lot of sample size. Yeah, Huge volumes on anything that they try and do but yeah. in the manufacturing space. It's all so unique and it all is so unique to either the systems, their place in the in the supply chain, what they're building, who they're building it for, the industries they work in. And mm-hmm. so being able to quickly diagnose and quickly pivot can really be a valuable uh, benefit to these yeah. manufacturers. I mean, yeah. uh, one of the things that, uh, that Matt, I kind of wanted to end on because it's still one of the coolest examples that I can think of, but one of the things that matters so much to manufacturers is just their leads. Like that's yeah. why they're always so hesitant about moving systems or it's like getting rid of salespeople. It's like they have their leads. Yeah. Um, we, the ability for us to track leads through these systems that are connected correctly can sometimes be baffling. And I, I remember when yeah. you and I were working uh, on, and it's call tracking, so it'll kind of circle back around, but we were trapping, tracking applicants and you were able to track a guy who I forget the exact parameters, but he came in from a phone call and then came back in on the site, came in, another, then we lost him and then picked him up later in the process yeah. And we're able to track his entire journey and which marketing steps mattered along the way. Yeah. And I would love without giving too much away of like any client names or anything like that, but yeah. just the ability to do that. I would love if you would tell a little bit about how that worked and what we were able to, you know, glean yeah. from a correctly set up system. Yeah. The, uh, yeah, for sure. The, uh, you know, you got to have a system in place to, to do that tracking on the front end. Um, but but a lot of times people are going to interact with your company or your website multiple different times before they actually make a purchase or before they actually sign up. Um, in this case, it was actually, you know, uh, 
hiring. We were trying, you know, an applicant was trying to get hired for a position. They ended up coming and calling in. Uh, they saw an ad on Craigslist and dialed the phone number in the ad. So they called in and had a conversation with the, the recruiter. That conversation didn't actually end up going anywhere. Um, that the you know recruiter was like, hey, you know, you need to send in a full application. I'll email it to you and then let's follow up after that. And a week went by, and then that person ended up submitting their application through the website, but they submitted it without any tracking. It looks like they just came directly to the website and submitted that. They didn't use the email that was... They didn't use the email, yes, but we were able to link the phone number that they submitted on the application with the time that they called in seven days earlier and say, oh, okay, this person actually found our company through Craigslist. And so having those systems in place to be able to check backwards in time automatically will always give you this, this backdrop of knowing, okay, our marketing systems are in place and they're working correctly, even if we have to tie together two points that, that might not be obviously connected. And that's awesome because on any, a lot of spreadsheets, that would look like two separate contacts. A would, yeah, exactly. That would look successful like called in day one. And then, you know, seven days later, you got a, a brand new contact who called in. Having systems in place will help you connect those two and say, oh, we've seen this person before. They came in through Craigslist. Yep. Oh, that's awesome. Well, Nels, before we before you let Matt get back to work, do you have any questions or final remarks for him? You know, I I, I think this is all wonderful. We're data nerds, <laughs> and you know, even to the extent of yeah, it's know, fun. My my well, my knowledge um, is is limited, but there, you know, ultimately, data is telling a story, and and Matt is mm-hmm. a storyteller, and it's a different kind of. I use words to tell story, and he connects data points to tell stories. Yeah, yeah, it's but all it's, yeah, it's all yeah. Yep. Yeah, it can be. And, you know, data can be, you know, a lot of data can be overwhelming. You can kind of look at all these things and say, what's, you know, what's really going on here? What is that mm-hmm. story? Are we are we doing better this year than we were last year? You know, and so all of that is looking at all these metrics together and then cra- not crafting a story, but it's also being real. I like to be real with ourselves when when things aren't going well, you can't just make up your own story of like, oh, we're doing great. You know, I think it's helpful. Oh, right. Yeah. Numbers will tell you it's like we're not doing as good this time as we were last year. What can we fix? Numbers don't lie. That's what that yeah. really says. The numbers you know, are telling right. They're telling you something. Right. You're telling you something. Yeah. You either you either react to it or you're just, you know, you're just oblivious to it. Well, that Matt, thank you so much for joining us. Our yeah. data, our Duke of data, our, our number storyteller. Thanks for being patient and waiting for me. This was great. Always, always fun to join and talk with you guys. Well, I'm, I'm going to find more and more ways to get you back on here. Cause I always yeah, have fun in these conversations. So yep. uh, have a good one. Thank you. And until next time, Duke of you data, well. have a, have a good day. Yeah. Have a good one. See you guys. Oh, Nels. I love it when Matt comes on. Are you feeling inspired? Oh Yeah. Yeah, as I said, okay. rarefied air, baby. Rarefied, rarefied air, air Just, baby. You know what? You know, I love it. I I think we should let people breathe this rarefied air. I it is. We have wrapped up another fantastic episode of the Industrial Marketer Podcast. And guys, listeners, if you haven't already subscribed, get that rarefied air in your feeds, baby. You know you want to listen. You know you want to follow along. The Industrial Marketer Podcast is coming at you every couple of weeks with guests and knowledge and facts and data and tools and tips and tricks and all sorts of good stuff. 
So if you haven't already subscribed, definitely do so. If you haven't been to our website, industrialmarketer.com, there's so much more content there than I can even express. Articles and blogs and white papers and all sorts of things for people who care about driving leads to industrial companies. Um, Manufacturers, distributors, supply chain guys, we got you covered. So check it out, find something that's helpful for you and then share it with your friends. That's the whole hope is that we're helpful. Um, And until next time, this has been the Industrial Marketer Podcast, and I can't wait to talk to you guys again.